This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join the other brethren in welcoming everybody here this morning. I've really got a great crowd and I know we've got several or a number that are out either sick or traveling. And I really appreciate all your participation in the service. The, the singing has really been great and edifying for me so far this morning. And I pray that you'll continue to participate as we study God's Word together. I also appreciate the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that the things that we study will first and foremost be in strict accordance to God's Word. That it will be His Word and that we were talking about His truth this morning. And also it will be useful to you and beneficial as we continue our Christian walk together. So as you can see from the board we have up here, the title of the lesson is How's Your Foundation? We're going to get the, the main uh, text from Matthew chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn over there, Matthew chapter 7. And we'll have the verses on the board up here. Um, so for a little while, I want to look at some teachings that Jesus left for us. And we're going to look at the, where he taught about the man who built his house upon the rock versus the man who built his house upon the sand. We're going to look in that. We're going to dive deep into it and see really what all we can learn from that and how as Christians today we can apply it to our lives so that we can improve our Christian walk and we can be stronger with God as we continue on. So let's go ahead and dive in and look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 24. This is Jesus talking here. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So here we have the account in the book of Matthew. We also have another account of the same thing where Jesus taught, and that's in the book of Luke chapter 6. Let's go ahead and read that one too. Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Jesus said, Whosoever cometh unto me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house, and digged deep, and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the rock and, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. So here we see the two accounts of the same thing that Jesus talked about. And we're talking about the man who built his house upon the rock versus the man who built his house upon the sand. You know, a lot of times when we're reading stories like this, when we're reading things that Jesus taught, it is extremely helpful to really understand the context. Really look at who is Jesus talking to at the time? What's the setting? What's going on? When I was looking at this, I'm not sure if, if any of you have realized that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught. And it's actually how he ended the Sermon on the Mount. When you look at that, this is Jesus going out. It says, this was after he got his apostles were following him, and then great multitudes were following after Jesus. They were listening to everything that he taught. And it says that he saw the great multitude, and he went up to a mountain, and he started teaching. And this has all started out at uh, the, the end of Matthew chapter 4, and then in Matthew chapter 5 is where he started talking about uh, what we typically call the Sermon on the Mount. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's a great sermon. 
There's actually 20 different topics that Jesus talked about during the Sermon on the Mount. And I broke it down for you here so you can see that. So it starts out in Matthew chapter 5. In the first few verses, we, we have what's called the, the Beatitudes. And then he talks about the salt and the light. After that, he goes on and talks about his coming was to fulfill the law. Then he goes on and teaches certain things and principles that we should live by. So he addressed anger and lust and divorce, talk about oaths, and then he talked about retaliation. He taught us that we should be loving our enemies, that we should be giving to the needy. Then he goes on and teaches us how we should pray and what the Lord's Prayer looks like. Then he talked about fasting. After fasting, he told us that we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Then he goes on to teach us not to be anxious, and he talks about judging others. Then he goes and teaches us that we should ask and it shall be given to us. We talked about the golden rule. He talked about how a tree will bear fruit and you'll know a tree by its fruits. And then he goes in and Matthew, at the end of Matthew chapter 7, he talks about all these people who did all these good works and he still professed that he never knew them because they didn't do the, the most important works. Uh, and then finally he ends it up when he talks about the house built upon the rock versus the house built upon the sand. So these are 20 different things that Jesus taught about in these few chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he ended it up, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount is what we're studying now. He talks about the man who built his house upon the rock. And remember how he said it. Let's go ahead and look at that again. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, these other 19 things he just talks about, and doeth them, that is like the person who built his house upon the rock. And in contrast, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, remember there's a great multitude following him. They're all listening to his teaching. They're receiving it. They're listening to it. Some of them were applying it. Some of them were not. And there in verse 26, it says, And whoso heareth these sayings of mine, all these topics that I've just taught you, but you don't do it, it's like the person who built his house upon the sand. You know, something kind of interesting to think about is... When you, when you compare and contrast the man who built his house upon the rock versus the man who built his house upon the sand, they both built a house. And I don't know if you've ever built a house before, but that's a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes involved in building a house. There's a lot of effort. They both put a lot of care and consideration in the things that they were doing. One of them had just that little bit of extra care and just that little bit of extra consideration to make sure that their foundation was secure and that foundation was upon a rock. So they looked at that, and we could see this side-by-side -side comparison. They both exerted a lot of work and a lot of effort, but one put that little bit extra so when the storms came, it was able to stand. And the other one, when the storms came, all their work and all their, their labors were for naught. The storms walked them out because they didn't take that little bit of extra time to build a foundation upon the rock. So we can look at this, and I, I've got a picture here of a house that was built upon the sand without a good foundation. So you can visually see, that's not a house that any of us would want, is it? The storms came and it wiped the thing out. You know, when you're thinking about the foundation, and I, I looked up a lot of research. Uh, we went to Gulf Shores uh, down to the beach a while back, and I, and I was looking at a lot of the houses and kind of how they would build them, and it's completely different than how we build houses here. I mean, it, it's just totally different, and it has to be because the, the soil there is a lot different. The foundations have to be dug deeper so you get down into the, the soil that's actually going to hold that house up. And it takes a lot of time and consideration. There's a lot of engineering that goes behind that. There's a lot of different ways that you look at the soil and see how, how, much, how deep you need to go and how big the footers need to be and how, what the depth and material that you got to use. So there's a lot of consideration that goes into building that foundation. 
And you got to make sure that it's right. You got to make sure that you dig deep enough. And you know, of course, most of y'all know that I'm in the real estate industry. And when I go and I show houses to people that, that they may want to buy, you know, most of the time, the stuff that people are looking to buy is all the cosmetic stuff. When we're looking at houses, it's what's the paint color? And what's the carpet look like? And what's the countertops? And they're, they're looking at all these different kinds of stuff, and that's all cosmetic. And rarely does anybody ever ask about the foundation. And that's usually, you know, as the realtor, that's usually the things that I'm trying to look out for just to make sure that they're protected because they are definitely not. They're not looking at the foundation. They're always looking at the cosmetic stuff. And I want you to think about this house that you're seeing right now. This foundation wasn't built properly, so the storm wiped it out. How good is all the cosmetic stuff now? What does it matter what the paint color looks like? What does it matter if you had stainless steel appliances or not? The house is worthless. It doesn't matter what you do to that place, it's worthless now because the foundation, the important things, were not set up good. You know, I was thinking a little bit about this, how people tend to look at houses, and you know, we look at people the same way. A lot of times we look at the quote-unquote cosmetic side of people. We look at the people that they're maybe successful in this world. We look at their financial security. We look at their material possessions that they've got. We look and see how, if they're in good physical health or not. And you know, all of that is, is temporal. It's cosmetic stuff. But God teaches us that we should really be looking more at the foundation. We should be looking more at the heart of man. That comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. This is when Saul was king at the time of Israel, and David was about to be anointed king. And it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on his stature or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God is much more concerned with your heart, your inward man, your foundation, much more than your outward man or any, any cosmetic things. And likewise, we should be much more concerned with our foundation as well. And make sure that your foundation is built upon the rock. So I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. When we looked at the man who built his house upon the rock versus the man who built his house upon the sand, there's only one difference. It says they both heard the word, they saw the word, they listened to him. One did it, one did what God wanted him to do, and the other one did not. So the only difference is that one two-letter word, do. Are you doing what God wants you to do? So let's look at that a little bit. For one, what has God told us to do? And we're going to look at three different things this morning. The first thing we're going to look at, one thing that he's told us to do, study his word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15 says, Study to show that self approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is Paul writing to Timothy here, and he's telling him, just study. Make sure you're studying the Word of God. Get into it. Learn it. Make sure you can rightly divide the Word of truth. You know truth versus fables. You know what God's told you to do, and you can tell when people have spun that out of context, and it's not according to what God wants us to do. So Paul is writing and telling us here to study the Word of God. That's just one thing that we know we need to do. Within that, it's not just enough to study. We need to be meditating upon this word. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The psalmist writes, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
The psalmist is telling us that we look at God's law, we look at His Word, and we meditate upon it day and night. This word meditate, it just simply means to think deeply and a lot of deep contemplation or to ponder upon. So when you're thinking about you're studying His Word, you're reading His Word, think about it constantly and just let that marinate in your head so that you can really understand what it's saying. Another thing that God has told us to do is to spend time with our brethren and put their needs above your own. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort in love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this be mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the second thing that God has told us to do, spend time with your brethren, be of one mind, of one accord, and share that love with each other, and to let others' needs come before your own. Put others above yourself. Let's look over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. So this is Paul writing to Christians. If Paul's writing to the church of Rome, it's just like he's writing to you and I today. And he's telling us, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Make sure that you have love and affection towards your brothers and sisters and in honor preferring one another and putting others' needs above your own. So this is what Paul is teaching us to do. And we also have in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, says, We love Him because He first loved us. Talking about God. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. There in verse 21, we see it clearly spelled out. This is a commandment. The commandment is that we love God and that we love our brethren. So the two things we've looked at so far is, number one, spread the word. Number two, spend time with your brethren and put their needs above your own. The third commandment that we have is spreading the gospel. And Jesus talked about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. We typically call this the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus is teaching us here that we should also be spreading the gospel. So study His Word, meditate on it, learn about it, spend time with your brethren, put their needs above your own, spread the gospel, go make sure that the kingdom grows and that other people know that, that Christ died for them just as much as He died for you and I today. This is just three of the things that we know. There's a lot more that we could dive into this morning, but just looking at these three examples, we'll remember the man who built his house upon the rock is the one who did it. They're the one who did these three things. And I was thinking a little bit about this this morning, or when I was putting this study together. 
And you know, we, we talk a lot about how as Christians we need to act, we need to perform, we need to do the things that Christ would have us to do. And when we look at in Matthew chapter 7, it talked about how the man who did these things is like the man who built his house upon a rock. The storms came, but the house would not fall. So I was just kind of thinking about that. I was like, well, why? How can we look at if we do the things that God wants us to do, how does that really help us build a foundation so that we won't fall during the storms of life? So let's look at that a little bit. Well, for one, if we go back to studying His Word, when the storms of life come, if we have studied His Word, when we do that, it builds faith and trust in God to always take care of us. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So we know that when we're really studying His Word, we're increasing our faith. As we're increasing our faith, that's increasing our trust in God and trust. And we read His precepts and His promises that He will never leave us and He'll never forsake us. doesn't matter how bad those storms get here on earth. We build that trust when we study the Word of God. If you look over in Psalms chapter 18, verse 30, and it says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. When you look up that word buckler, it simply means a shield. So it says He's a shield to us. And what's a shield used for? Well, a shield is used to help protect you against things meant to harm you. If you think about a soldier that goes into battle and he has a shield, well, he has that shield for protection. The opposition is coming at him with arrows and swords and spears and all that kind of stuff in order to harm that person. That shield is to protect him. God is our shield during the storm of life. And we can read things like this and we can study things like this and it builds our faith and trust in Him. So that's how it helps you build that foundation upon a rock is the storms come and you've got that trust and faith in God that you know He's never going to leave you or forsake you. You're not really going to have that faith and trust unless you study God's Word and really make sure you know it and remind yourself of it constantly. The second thing we looked at is spending time with their brethren and putting their needs above your own. Well, how can doing that, how can that help you build a foundation upon a rock? How does that help you overcome the storms of life? Well, if you look at it, if you're spending time with your brethren, well, sometimes the storms of life against us, that's going to give a support group for you. You're going to have those, those friendly relationships and the relationships that we have through Christ and our family that they're going to be our support group. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we look at this about bearing each other's burdens. Sometimes you're the one who needs your burdens bared. Sometimes you're the person who needs the help. And that's okay. We will all have our turn in that seat. So as we're doing what we need to as Christians, we're bearing each other's burdens and we will have our burdens bared during those times of help that we need. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Paul says, Rejoice with them who do rejoice, and weep with them who weep. Sometimes we have to weep. Sometimes we have these storms of life. We have these hard times. We have these oppositions against us. And if you have done what you need to do as a Christian, and you've built those relationships, and you're there for other people when they need it, then you can rest assured they're going to be there for you when you need it as well. There's plenty of people struggling in this world. There's plenty of people struggling in our own congregation that need help. And we have help. We have the support group. We have the love that we need in order to make it through. That's how you build a foundation that can overcome the storms is spend time with your brethren and build that support group that you need when those storms are coming. 
The third thing we looked at is the commandment of spreading the gospel. Go out and teach the world, baptizing them in all nations. Go teach them. So we look at that. Well, how can that help us to build a foundation? Well, when you're spreading the gospel, the more often you do that, you're building a deeper and deeper understanding of the love that God has for you, and you're reminding yourself that He's always going to be there for you, and you can see that love and joy and excitement on the people that you're spreading the gospel to because they're seeing it as well. Every time they see it, you go spread the gospel with people, you go teach them the love of Christ that He has for them, and it renews your energy. It renews your faith. It renews what you need to do as a Christian and remind you that the same love that God has for them, and they may be hearing it for the first time, is the same love that God has for you too. So it builds a deeper understanding. So let's look at what is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we're spreading that with more and more people, we're reminding that of ourselves that He died for you when you didn't deserve it. He was buried in the ground for three days, and just as He was able to overcome death and He was able to rise again, we're able to overcome death as well. And we can rise again through Him. We can remember that. We can build that deeper understanding. We can remind ourselves of the God's love that He has for us as we're spreading the gospel. If we look over in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, now, by whom we have now received the atonement. When we're teaching people this other stuff, it's reminding us of the love that God has for us when we don't deserve it. We never deserve Christ to come and die on the cross for our sins. We never deserve to be reconciled with Him and to have that hope of returning home with Him in heaven someday. We never deserved it. But it's because Christ's love that we have it. So when we do that, when we spread the gospel, we have that deep understanding. When we're going through the storms of life, we can be reminded Christ is with us. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So when we're actually doing the things that we need to do, just like the man who built his house upon the rock, the storms are coming. Some of you are facing storms right now. If you're not facing storms right now, those storms are, will happen. They're going to come in life. We're promised that. There's going to be much trials and tribulations in this earth. So we need to make sure we're constantly doing the things that we need to do so that we build that foundation upon the rock. And building a foundation upon a rock in a spiritual, spiritual sense is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing event. You're constantly doing what God wants you to do, and you're constantly reestablishing or reaffirming the foundation built upon Him and His rock.
when we're doing that, we can actually find joy during the times of the storm. And sometimes that's really hard, but you can. You can find joy and you can find peace when you're going through the trials and tribulations of life if you've built your foundation upon the rock. Paul teaches us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. This is Paul, and he says, And lest I, I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What Paul is writing about is he's telling us that he had this thorn on the flesh. We don't really know what that thorn on the flesh is, but it was something that was troubling him. It was a storm. It was a storm of life that he was having to go through. It was a distress. It was a persecution. It was something. And it said it was so much so that he actually asked Christ three times to get rid of that thorn in the flesh. Christ didn't do it. Why? Why did Christ not get rid of that thorn in the flesh? He says there in verse 9, This is Christ said that my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when we're going through trials and tribulations, we can find joy and we can find peace to remind us that we can't do it alone. And the good thing is we don't have to, that Christ is there with us. Christ's grace is sufficient to help us through our weaknesses. And we can be reminded of that when we're going through these storms and trials and tribulation. Also, if we look over in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work as patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We can see here that when we're going through tribulations, what it talks about there in verse 3 and 4, we're going through tribulations. That tribulation is going to give us patience. Patience is going to give us experience. Experience is going to give us hope. Let's look at what those words really mean. When you look up the word tribulation, what that means is an affliction, a distress, or a persecution. It's a storm. It's something against you. It's something that we don't tend to like. That's a tribulation. That tribulation, it says, worketh patience. When you look up that word patience, it actually means endurance. When you look up the Strong's Concordance, endurance. So think about that. You're going through hard times. You're going through trials. That's building your endurance to last. Make sure that you keep going. If you do that long enough, it's going to build your experience. You build your endurance. And let's think about how many times we go through trials and tribulations. And the experience will tell us, well, we've made it through the last tribulation with God on our side. We're probably going to make it through this one too. That experience and trustiness that we know that God is not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. So that patience as we build our endurance is going to build our experience. 
as we build our experience and we remember that we made it through the last tribulation, we're going to make it through this one, and it builds that trustiness in God, then that's what builds our hope and our confidence that we know more storms are coming, we know more trials are coming, and we can have confidence in God that He got us through the last one, got us through this one, He's going to get us through the next one as long as we stay true to Him. So this is what Paul's really writing about in Romans chapter 5 is we can have glory in these tribulations because it all reminds us that God is with us. That God's with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And you can have confidence and hope in that. So we can have glory and we can have peace in these times of tribulations. So when we're looking at this, we can also find joy during the storm because it helps us to be more eternally focused and less temporal focused. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul writing to the church here, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. What Paul's talking about here in verse 18 and 19, he's talking about these people who are way too earthly-minded. They're too temporal-minded. The, the end is destruction. They're so focused on the here and now that they don't realize destruction and perish and, and all that is coming their way. They're so focused, he even says, whose God is their belly meaning that they're so focused on the here and now that that's all they really care about. And we know, then he talks about in verse 20, it talks about us as Christians, for our conversation is in heaven. When you look up that word conversation, it means citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. We realize that all the storms we're going through here and now, it's just a season. It's not worthy to be compared to the glory that we're going to receive as we continue on. We focus on the eternal. Don't get so caught up in the temporal. And sometimes we need the storms of life to help remind us of that, don't we? When we have things going our way all the time, and it's just going really, really well, how focused are you on eternal life at that time? Or are you more focused on the pleasures and riches of this world? It's easy to get caught up in the pleasures and riches in this world when we have a lot, when things are going our way. And sometimes we need that storm of life to remind us that this isn't all there is. And let's focus on the eternal. And let's lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven and realize that that's what we're shooting for. So remember the difference between the person who built his house upon the rock and the one who built his house upon the sand is one did what God taught him to do and one did not do what God taught him to do. So keep building and improving your foundation by doing what God has told you to do. He gave us all these things for ourselves. All the commandments that we have from God, it's not for Him. It's for us. It's so that we can have that foundation during the storm of life, so that we can make it through, so that we can do what we need to do in order to have eternal life with Him. So He gave us the commandments for ourselves. And we have a responsibility as we're building our own foundation and we're constantly growing that. We also have a responsibility to help your fellow brethren and your brothers and sisters to build their foundation as well. Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, 
The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. We have here in the book of Titus that we're supposed to be working on our own foundation, and it's not only your own foundation, but teach others around you. Teach them how that they should be able to build their foundation by doing what God has asked them to do as well. So we have this responsibility in the church to take care of your own and take care of the people that are around you as well. With that responsibility of building our own foundation, we have some amazing blessings. And one of those blessings is that we know God is always with us. John chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If you love Jesus, keep his words. Put it into action. When you put it into action, Jesus and God will abode with you. They'll be with you. And they'll never leave you or forsake you. That's a great blessing that we have so that we can overcome those storms of life. Also in Revelation 22, verse 14, it says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That's all what we're shooting for, right? We all want the eternal life. We want that tree of life. We want to be able to enter in those gates with God. And Jesus tells us here that blessed are they that do His commandments. It's a great responsibility, and that great responsibility comes with great blessings as well. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, how's your foundation? Is your foundation built upon the rock, or is your foundation built upon the sand? You'll really be able to know when the storms of life come. That's how you'll know what your foundation is built upon. You know, you build your foundation during the good times, during the good weather. And you hope that you've built it good enough that you can last within those storms of life. So ask yourself that this morning as you continue on throughout your walk this week, is what are you doing to build your foundation? Make sure that it's founded upon the rock, it's founded upon Jesus. And what are you doing to help your brethren? Help them build a foundation. You know, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, we looked at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus tells us to go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that He's commanded us. If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus and you haven't washed away your sins, your foundation is upon sand, and it's really bad sand right now, and the storms are coming, and you may be going through storms right now. So that's one of the very first things that you need to do is wash away your sins, be baptized into Him. Let Jesus abide with you. Do His commandments. Do the things that you need to do. Wash away your sins in baptism, and you can do that this morning. We can help you with that. And make sure you can rise up a new man and, and clear of your sins. Or maybe you've already done that, but you haven't really been doing the things that God's commanded you to do. Maybe you haven't really been studying God's Word like you need to. Maybe you haven't really been spending the time with brethren that you need to. Or maybe you haven't been spreading the gospel, teaching the things. There's many other commandments that we know we should be doing as Christians. And if you haven't been doing that this morning, your foundation may likely be on sand. And you may not be able to withhold during the times of storm but it's not too late. You can change that right now, and we can change that with you as your brothers and sisters. We can help you. We can make sure that your, your house is built upon the rock, 
So when you're going through those storms, you're, you'll be able to stand and that God and Jesus is always with you. If you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning and wash away your sins, or you need the prayers and the help of the church for any reason, all you got to do is come have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.